Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing high-yield debt. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined by Olivier Monoyer, Head of High Yield. Welcome, Olivier, and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me today. If we think about the investment environment that you're having to deal with, of course, we've had pretty big moves in interest rates over the last year, one of the fastest and steepest tightening cycles ever. On one hand, growth has slowed, as you would expect, but perhaps not by quite as much as we would have expected. At the same time, inflation has slowed, but equally perhaps not quite as much, uh, as certainly as the central banks would like. Nonetheless, if we look at the U.S., markets are pricing in cuts from the Fed fairly soon. We can talk about whether that's a reasonable expectation. In general, at least in the U.S., still expectations that a recession's coming. Of course, we don't really know exactly when or how deep that's going to be. But fair to say, perhaps, that that environment of rising rates and slowing growth, not necessarily the best environment uh, for high yield, or at least perhaps a challenging one. Let's talk about, then, at least what's happened in high yield so far this year, Olivia. Well, things are actually really good in high yield at the moment. Spreads are tighter, which means the perception of investor of risk is lower. Total return are pretty good year to date, about 4%. The primary market is making a comeback, which means our companies in our universe can access capital market again. And then the fundamentals are fairly solid. You know, results are pretty good by and large, and there is no default as a consequence. So in high yield in Europe, default rates are less than 1%. However, we've had, of course, a short episode of volatility with the credit risk collapse. But thanks to the swift intervention from authorities, uh, that was quickly resolved and deemed more idiosyncratic than systemic. Volatility came down and then spreads came in again. However, now when we talk to our investors, they tell us, yes, we like credit, but we prefer investment grade to high yield because of their view of the economy. And that's okay because, you know, we are cautious too. We can wait for, you know, the cycle to be more favorable to us. But what we say also is that we have been positioning the funds to be more resilient. We are also a little bit on the cautious side. And that's why we favor high quality companies. But also we try to have portfolios that have running yield that are better than on benchmark. And this is what we like about this market. We don't need to take more risk to get really good yield. You can get 6 to 8% yield at the moment and stay with the better names, the ones that are larger, the ones that are public, so they can access you know, equity market and bond market, and most importantly, the ones that have ample free cash flow because these are the companies that will be able to pay coupon of 7 and 8% when they refinance their 3 to 4% coupon. So we want those companies that have the option to push out their maturities in case credit condition tighten further. And then we think default rate will stay very contained in 2023 because fundamentals, as I said, pretty good as a starting case, but also there's not much maturities to pay back. So there's no real trigger for those default rates to go much higher. 
course, investing is always about risk versus opportunity. Probably not too difficult to think of the risks that are out there. Uh, we're worried, of course, about the debt ceiling debate in the U.S. Is that going to be resolved as quickly as we would like? We've already had the turmoil from the banking sector, perhaps uh, naive to assume that that's all over. So what might uh, yet come? At the same time, always opportunities, you would imagine. What is your team doing in terms of investments? All right. So we think the the biggest risk really is that credit, which is already tight, tightens even further. So I've discussed that the primary market is opening up, but really it is open to the better companies only at the moment. So the, the best credit stories. For the credit stories that are somewhat more difficult, they need to de-risk the balance sheet. They need to come with equity injection or asset sell. Or economists are projecting fairly weak economic conditions by the turn of this year and early next year. So the risk is that the big maturities and the big maturities that are coming in 2025 and 2026, as they are approaching, the weaker names will struggle to deal with them. And that's when the default will start to increase. And that's the risk we see starting in late 2024. And then something we are positioning for by furthering the better names, again, the solid cash flows and the companies that have lots of optionalities. However, we also see quite a lot of very good opportunities, and I will summarize it in sort of three camps. The first opportunity we see in the market at the moment is the front-dated maturities, so say 2025, maturities two years from now, uh, from the companies that are likely to be proactive, take care of those maturities, and then push them out either by issuing a bond or some other means. And then this is something that is happening now. So concretely, what that means is we identify bonds that may trade at 92, 93, and then they may have a very low coupon, say between 2 and 4%. But if those companies come to the bond market and refinance those bonds, then you get paid back at par, and that's a pretty attractive investment return. You're getting high single-digit or low double-digit return over the next six, nine months. So we like that, those refinancing transactions. The other opportunity that we see in the market is to capture the very high coupon that those companies are offering on the primary market, so anywhere between 6 and 8% for well-run companies, good management, some free cash flow, even some free cash flow after the refinancing with more expensive debt. So clipping those 6 to 8% coupon for the next few years, we think is a very attractive trade, even if you see some volatility in the meantime. Now, the final opportunity that we see, and even even if it's a little bit early to deploy more risk or capital to it, but it's something we have to think about because the credit cycle is turning. So you're going to have more stress situations, more bonds that trade at very discounted level because, you know, the companies have difficulties or the market question whether those bonds will mature at par. And that's when you do some work, you analyze the downside upside. And then when we think that the downside is quite limited, then you know you have the opportunity to deploy capital. But again, I think we are at the stage where the credit cycle is turning. So it might be a little bit early to deploy too much risk with those opportunities. 
we talked a bit about the consensus outlook, again, recession uh, in the U.S., a slowdown to some degree in the Eurozone. At the same time, I think it's safe to say more often than not, the consensus often turns out to be wrong. So what are some of your out-of-consensus views, or more broadly, what are your key investment ideas? So where we are not fighting the consensus is on high quality. We think that's the way forward, given a more uncertain economic environment, but more importantly, again, a high rate, high funding environment that may last longer than people expect. The way we are doing it is by favoring the front maturities and the bigger coupon. We think the carry will be the bigger component of return. So we're going for more carry and less capital appreciation. And then we think this is how we're going to build portfolios that are more resilient. So while we are getting those refinancing trades that give us upside potential, we can also progressively reinvest in higher coupon. Let me give you an example. In the telecom sector, which is a pretty good place to be, it's an overweight for us. It's actually our biggest sector, but you don't want to own everything in telecom. There are some capital structure that just don't work in a high funding environment, in a high rate environment. So, you know, we want to stay with the better names. And then if we have the opportunity to get good yield at the front of the curve, then we will go for and favor those bonds. So essentially, we are overweight the telecom sector in terms of market value, but in terms of duration, contribution, it's actually an underweight. Now, we are sectors that are slightly less consensual is the auto sector. That's our second biggest sector. And here we favor the supplier because we think that car production have been at recession level over the past few years because of COVID, because of various supply problems. And now they are recovering, they are improving. So we will see growth in production. And at the same time, margin we think will improve because the suppliers are working through their cost recovery with the manufacturers. We are slightly less constructive on the manufacturers because they've had such a good time over the past few years where they could increase car prices by 15%. And then demand was still very strong. We think that is a little bit behind us, and then price elasticity will reassert itself. Another sector that we think is somewhat less consensual is the gaming sector. We actually think it's fairly resilient to economic weakness, and we, we just had, for example, one of our core names that did an IPO earlier this year, and then earnings are still coming in pretty strong in that sector. Travel leisure, also a very good place to be. There is a tourism boom at the moment, so we want to be exposed. We think, again, like car prices, there might be a point where consumers start to shop around or push back again prices, but that's a few quarters away from now. Another sector that's been traditionally a good hiding place in uncertain economic environment is packaging, where we actually not so constructive because some categories are struggling. There's a little bit of destocking, possible change in consumer taste, but also some margin pressure. Uh, so we have very little risk there. And generally speaking, we think this is 
a stock picker environment and that we have the right setup for that environment to navigate that environment because also we are getting more resources this year merging with our colleagues from the leverage loan and creating a much bigger leverage finance group and for us i mean a bigger pool of analysts we're actually getting 10 more analysts covering the us and europe and that creates overlap synergies but also some more free time for us to look at more opportunities on the primary and the secondary markets Thank you very much, Olivier. If I can summarize some of the key points, uh, despite worries that I think we've all had for a while about the outlook for risk assets like equities, high yield has done pretty well. Uh, and at least part of that is fundamentally, if we look at earnings results, fundamentals, uh, they're still pretty good. You pointed out that defaults are quite low, less than 1% in Europe, and you expect them to stay low for the rest of this year. However, looking a bit further out, you're still cautious and positioning funds to be more resilient and emphasizing high quality names. For sectors, you like telecom and travel and leisure, and perhaps a bit more out of consensus, also favorable towards auto suppliers and gaming. And the key point you made, I think, is that you see this as a stock picker, if you will, stock picker environment. And that really is good for you right now, given that you have an expanded team to help you with that research. Well, Olivier, thank you very much for joining me. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. If you like Talking Heads, leave us a positive review and a nice rating. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Olivier Monoyer. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.